You know, as um, I prepared this message on the message of the rainbow, I've had such motions that have come over me. At times, as I would study it, I found myself mourning, just mourning, M-O-U-R-I-N-G. And I understood what Jesus said, but said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But I also found myself understanding what Paul meant when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And, you know, knowing that Paul had faced everything and feared no man. But in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said these words. And it's very important. In 1 Corinthians 2, chapter, verse 1, he said, Now listen to this. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. He said, I did not come with persuasive speech or great human intellect. For I determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now listen to this. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And I said, Paul, you were afraid of no man. And it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, no, but he had the fear of God. And he knew that God held him accountable for every word that he said. And so it was like he said to the Corinthians, I want you to know that I'm accountable to God for what I say. And that causes me to come before you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And he said, in my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This message on the rainbow is preached in the love of God. I hate no one. I wish no one any harm. My prayer is that all people, including myself, will walk in repentance, repent and turn away from their sins, and will surrender their life completely and totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. I heed the words of God where he says, love your enemies and bless those that curse you. As far as I know, I preach with no self-righteousness, no judgmental attitude, and no condemning spirit. But in meekness and honesty, in meekness and humility, I speak the truth in love. You know, early in Scripture, God talked about three things that were very, very important to him. Shall I say they were holy unto God? They were sacred unto God. They were separated unto God. It was very, very much a part of who God is. 
The first is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27. There God creates life. He creates life. And, And he talked about how precious and important life was to him. And so we, we, we pick it up in the first chapter of Genesis, verses 26 and 27. And you need to understand that life is a gift from God. And it is sacred. It is holy. It is very, very precious to God. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then in verse 7 of Genesis 2, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So life is a gift from God. It is sacred, it is holy, it is precious, and life belongs to God. But then you go on and we see still in the early part of the Bible that marriage and the family were created by God. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25, it says here, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was found no helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So we just, right in the very beginning of the whole thing, God said, I created life, and it's precious to me. And then he goes on and says, listen, I created marriage and the family, and I want you to know that it's precious to me. And then we get over to another very interesting thing, and that's when God destroyed the human race with a flood and, um, uh, and saved only Noah and his family. But then we see where God makes a covenant with the human race, those that were left, to Adam and his descendants. He said, I'm never going to do that again. Now, this, this rainbow is going to be a reminder of judgment, but it's going to be a reminder of, of my promise that I would never destroy the earth again with the flood. And so we read about it in Genesis chapter 9, and when we pick it up in verse 8, and it says, Then God spoke to Noah and to his son, saying, As for me, behold... Now, listen, this is God speaking. It's his covenant. I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants forever. And with every living creature that is, in, that is with you, birds, cattle, every beast of the air, 
every beast of the earth with you and all that go out of the ark, every beast of all the earth. Verse 11, thus, now this is a covenant God's making with his people. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then he says, and God said in verse 12, this is the sign of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you and for perpetual generations. I will set my, would you, would you circle that word? I will set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and you. And it shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall come, shall be seen in the cloud. Then in verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. So the rainbow belongs to God. God made a pledge that, hey, I do judge wickedness, but I'll never judge it again by destroying it with a flood. So as my sign of my faithfulness and my declaration, I set my rainbow in the clouds as a sign of my covenant that I have made with each one of you. All right. Now, what God was saying in these verses is this. Life is from God. It is sacred and holy. Do not desecrate life. And then he said, marriage and family is from me. It is sacred and holy. Do not desecrate marriage and the family. And then he was saying, the rainbow belongs to me. It reminds people that I do judge wickedness, but at the same time, I promise not to destroy the earth with a flood. He said, it is my rainbow and my covenant. Do not desecrate my rainbow. So, you know, let me define what it means to desecrate the things of God. What does it mean you desecrate life? What does it mean you desecrate marriage or the family? What does it mean that you desecrate, quote, God's rainbow? What does that mean? What does the word desecrate mean? It is a very disturbing word. For example, desecration is to treat something, a sacred place or thing with violent disrespect. Now now listen at that. Desecration is to treat a sacred place or thing with violent disrespect. Also, you continue to look up the word desecrate, and it says here, it is to violate, to profane, to defile, to debase, to dishonor that which is sacred, holy, and precious, and belongs to God. So it is a serious thing to desecrate life. It is a serious thing to desecrate marriage and the family. And it is a serious thing to desecrate the rainbow 
And when you desecrate anything that is precious, holy, and set apart to God himself, you cross the line. Now, let me give you a clear example from the Bible how God deals with someone who desecrates the things of God. How do we know what God's going to do in the future? Well, to some degree, we know by what God's done in the past. So I'm looking into the book of Daniel, the fifth chapter, and we're going to see how a man, a king named Belshazzar, got proud before God, and he desecrated the things of God. We begin to read in Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. This was a huge party. He made a great feast for a thousand of his lords. While he tasted the wine, now listen to this, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. These are the vessels that came from the temple of God. Vessels set apart and holy and sacred to God. So in his pride, he says, go bring the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar brought out of the temple of God. All right, go on. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king, his lords, his wives, his concubines drank from them. Now listen to what they're doing. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now I want you to listen to this. Here they are. getting drunk and drinking out of the vessels that came from the house of God. And they worship the other gods of gold and silver and iron and bronze. You talk about desecrating, profaning with violent dishonor the things of God. If you talk about defiling, defiling or debasing That's exactly what Belshazzar did. He desecrated that which was precious to God himself. Well, how does God respond when you desecrate what belongs to him? Well, we read on in Daniel chapter 5. Look at verse 5. This this is a, a very moving account. In the same hour as he drank from the vessels from the house of God, He desecrated that which was God's, worshiped other gods as he did it. Then God intervened, it says. In the same hour, the fingers of a man hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the the hand. He saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, can you imagine? Belshazzar probably thought, well, I've drunk so much wine, I'm seeing things. 
He was the fingers of a man's hand writing something on a wall. Look what happened to him. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and, and wrote up, up opposite the lampstand. Verse 6, the king's countenance changed. He got as pale as a ghost. His thoughts troubled him. He said, what is this all about? His thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked once against another. He started started knocking. He was so scared his knees missed each other as they went by. What a description. His countenance changed and his knees began to knock. He began to shake. Woo. And then he said, somebody's got to tell me what that means. Oh, he knew it wasn't good. So he called for the Chaldeans and the astrologers and the soothsayers. None of them could interpret what was written on the wall. And then his wife, the Bible goes on down in verse 9 and says again, Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed. And all the lords there were astonished. What's wrong with the king? And his wife saw he was all shook up. She said, listen, there is a man brought from into captivity whose name is Daniel. He is wise, and, and, and he'll be able to tell you what was written on the wall. So he says, get him. I, I want to know. He says, by the way, if he'll tell me, I'll give him a third of the kingdom. Well, they got Daniel over there. And so Daniel began to talk to him. He said, he said, Daniel, if you'll just tell me what it means, I'll give you all this. Daniel answered in verse 17, let your gifts be for yourself. Give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to you, king, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom of majesty, glory, and honor. And it says down in verse 20, 20, But when Nebuchadnezzar's, when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened by pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took the glory for him. All right. Now, down in verse 22, he says, Belshazzar was Nebuchadnezzar's son. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart as though you knew, although you knew all this, you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heavens Now listen to what he says. You have brought the vessels of the house, you have brought the vessels of his house before you, for you and your lords and your wives and your concubines to drink wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, nor hear, nor know. And, And boy, look at this. I just wish every person would understand this. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Boy, now I'll tell you, you talk about the fear of God. You you talk about what this, what needs to be turned. He said, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and wrote, and the interpretation was this, verse 25, many, many tickle your farson. This is the interpretation. One, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. 
it's over. You say, well, Brother Fred, you know, it wasn't too bad. All he did was go get the, the vessels from the house of God, and, and, and they filled it with wine, and they, 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 then they began to mock God. What do you mean that wasn't too bad? You don't mock God. You don't do that. No, you don't do that. Uh-uh. And so he said, listen, you, you, you crossed the line. And he said to him that, you know, you got, you've, been, you've been judged and you have been, uh, uh, and your, your, your kingdom is finished in the fifth verse, he says. And your kingdom is finished. And in verse 20, uh, read on over in verse 28. And it says, um, uh, you, have, you have been way, he said, you've, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it, verse 26. Verse 27, you are weighed in the balances of God and found wanting. Belshazzar, you lifted up your heart in pride. You took the vessels from the house of God. You drank wine and worshiped the gods of bronze, iron, and stone and said, I want to tell you something. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it, and you have been weighed in the balances of God, and you are found wanting. And then it goes on and says in verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. He died that night. I don't know how he died, but obviously God gets upset. No, let me say this. God is angry when you take the things that are precious to God and desecrate them. And so God dealt with him very harshly. And that night he died and the kingdom was divided between the Medes and the Persians and Darius took over. Well, all I got to say is this. It is a very serious thing to desecrate, to restate to treat with violent dishonor that which is sacred and sanctified or set apart to God. It is serious. Now, the main point of my message is this. There are three things in the heart of God that we have desecrated. It's obvious we have. There's no way you can deny it. Uh, it makes you mourn. I'm, I'm telling you, under God, as I, I thought about this, I found my, I just myself mourning that a nation that has been so blessed by God and individuals who have been blessed by God to be born in a country where there was really freedom. When most people are born in countries where they're tyrants and dictators and abstract poverty. But here we are born in a land founded on the word of God. So therefore there was freedom. But now to see how in the midst of the blessings of God upon us. Our leaders have chosen to desecrate the things that are of God. And I know you say, Brother Fred, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't agree with them desecrating the things of God. No, I hate that, but, but I'm a part of this nation. 
You say, I, 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 I dislike it as much as you do. I know you do. But it's still a fact. Let me tell you the three things that we've desecrated. We've desecrated life that God created. And I said, well, when did it start? Now, God made us in his image. Every life was precious. Every life was holy. God created no junk. I mean, God created people in his image, and he loved them, and they were the crown of his creation. But then, you know, we got smart. And professing ourselves to be wise, we became fools. And we began to teach evolution, a theory, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. We began to teach it in the public schools and in colleges. And when you tried to preach creation, they said, you're, you're pushing things down our throat. And so we all began as some little speck in the bottom of the ocean And here we are now, we crawled out of the ocean, but we used to walk on four legs, now we walk on two, and here we are, and we're just higher forms of animals. We, we, you know, we were not a direct creation of God, we were not a perfect creation of God, there was no plan of God, we are just the product of an evolutionary process, and God had nothing to do with it. I am telling you, that is a lie, and I hate it. And young people have gone off to school and gone off to college and believed that junk and thought they were smart when they believed it. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And it desecrates the holiness of God. But that's not the bad part. That's bad enough. But I want you to know that... June 22nd, 1973, will be etched in history as the greatest day of infamy, one of the greatest days of infamy in the life of this nation. It's when the Supreme Court, by vote of seven to two, voted that to legalize, to legalize abortion. Up until that time, abortion was a crime and could only be performed under medical advice when the life of the mother was in danger. But the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade, vote of 72, just struck that down and struck down the laws that were in 46 states and made abortion legal in this country. And you know, you talk about desecrating life. You think evolution and that godless lie was bad well let me what do you think about 50 million babies i'm not talking about china they kill one out every two children they're they're under the judgment of god but what do you think about in america since 1973 50 million babies murdered in the womb I mean, it's atrocity. It makes the Holocaust look like nothing. We have desecrated life. And, 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 and it's just like we're saying to God, well, you don't understand, God. We're just a higher form of animal anyway, and we'll just treat people like animals, and it's nothing. 
big deal about killing an animal. With desecrated and treated life, with violent disrespect, we've defiled it, we've debased it, we've dishonored it, and we have desecrated that which belongs to God. I thought it had gotten as bad as it could get until the news just broke a few weeks ago that they've been selling the body parts of the babies that they, and I heard a woman say, now that this, I heard it with my own ears. She said, I'm very careful how I kill the baby in the womb and take it out because I don't want to injure any of the important parts because we can sell them. My God. I mean, what is this? You talk about a barbarian society. How do you think God feels about that? What do you think the response of God is? I tell you what he said to to Belshazzar, you're weighed in the balances of God and you're found wanting. Your kingdom is finished. Your days are numbered. I will say that Christians have done a major job in minimizing the abortions. They're down 30%. There is no abortion clinic in Mobile, only Planned Parenthood. We have Women's Resource Center, who is is a great way. It's not like we're closing our eyes. It's not like we're not saying it's wrong, it's wicked, it's ungodly. But I'm saying, though, that it's over this nation, thousands of babies die every day. Is it any wonder that God has let us, has spared us as long? You, you say, but Brother Fred, it's true in other countries. Well, look at other countries at the poverty and look at all the, the dictators and look at all the murders and look at all the stuff that's going on in other countries in the world. It's not like the only nation God judges in America. Forget that. Oh, no. God is no respecter of persons. And I'm telling you, it, you desecrate the things of God when you do not respect and count as holy every life on this earth. Well, then the second thing we've desecrated is this. We've desecrated marriage and the family as God created. Just as... Um, January 22nd, 1973 will go down in infamy. June 26, 2015. You know, that was just a little over a month ago. June 26, 2015 will go down in, in history as infamy. One of the worst days in the life of America. We crossed the line. We desiccated marriage. We took the things of God out of the house of God, out of God's domain, and said, God, you're wrong. We're right. And with violent disrespect for the sacredness of marriage between a man and a woman, we profaned it, we defiled it, We dishonored it. And it's almost like we just said, 
We're going to have it our way. You know, to show you how far we've come, this, I guess, is why I mourn over this. In 2009, 37% of the people in America said, only 37%, which was way too many, said we think same-sex marriage is okay. 37%. But you know, on May of 2015, 57% of the people in America said same-sex marriage is right in the sight of God. So in just about six years, we went to from 37% to 57%. And now 57% of the people in May said, you know, it's all right for a man to marry a man. It's all right for a woman to marry a woman. And what we've done, we've just gone down the slippery slope of moral, moral decay. Five unelected lawyers nullified the votes of 30 million Americans in their states that said they passed a law that said marriage is between a man and a woman. With a five to four vote, they nullified that and said, no, it's legal. Just like abortion is legal in every state, same-sex marriage is legal in every state. And we're living under the tyranny of a wicked, ungodly Supreme Court that is under the judgment of Almighty God. It should not have surprised us because the same five judges that voted for same-sex marriage had a couple of years early voted against Proposition 8 where the Californians said it's marriages between a man and a woman. The Supreme Court said you violated their rights, and they struck that down, and then they struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. The same five, and so there goes Proposition 8, there goes the Defense of Marriage Act, and the natural thing for them to do was to say, now, by the way, you know how they came up with the decision on Roe versus Wade abortion? Amendment 14. How did they come up on same-sex marriage? Amendment 14. They take that and make that mean anything they want to make it make. It never was in the minds of our founders that there would ever be abortion. It was never in their minds that there would never be same-sex marriage. But they take an amendment that was meant to protect people, and now they're saying, but oh no, that means you, you, know, you can kill babies, and that means you, two, men, two men can get married. See, they use the same amendment, I'm telling you, we are living under judicial tyranny. Under God, when will it stop? I'm going to tell you when it stops. When God stops it. And he will stop it. He will. Well, the third thing is I want to talk to you about the rainbow. Um, we've not only desecrated life, We've not only desecrated, and I mean as a nation, I know how you feel. You hate all this. I know it. I do too. I mourn over it. We've desecrated the rainbow. In Genesis chapter 9, it, it talked about how important the rainbow was to God. It's his covenant sign. It's covenant sign. And so we, we know it, it, the rainbow belongs to God, y'all. It belongs to God. We know that. But you've got to understand something. It gets much stronger than that. And when I saw this, I said, my God. Turn, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, I want you to listen to what it says about the rainbow. And I am telling you, 
you will realize how precious it is to God. John said, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one who sat on the throne. Are you ready for this? And he, and with, and he who sat there on the throne, God himself, he who sat there was, was like Jasper and a Sardis stone in appearance. Are you ready for this? And there was a rainbow around the throne. Wait a minute. It's one thing for God to give a rainbow in the clouds as a sign of his covenant between man saying, I do judge, but I'll never destroy you again. But wait a minute. What about the throne, a, a rainbow around the throne of God in heaven? My heavens, y'all. Obviously, the rainbow is a part of God himself. It was around the throne in heaven. And, and guess what? Heaven is a holy place. And, and, and around, with the rainbow around the throne, listen to what they were saying in verse 8. That the four living creatures, each having six wings and full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There with a rainbow surrounding the throne. They are celebrating the holiness of God. So obviously, the rainbow is far more important than most people realize. Well, you get over in Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. Well, here we are, got another rainbow. I still saw another, and I still, I saw still another, this is verse 1, another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. It's obvious that the rainbow is far, far important than we realize. And here is the tragedy. We have desecrated the rainbow. The LGBT, no, I, I think I got, no, the LBGT, that's the initials given to people, anybody that's not a heterosexual. The LBGT, which includes lesbians, homosexuals, bisexuals, and transgenders, they have adopted the rainbow as their colors. You talk about desecrating the things of God. For them to adopt the rainbow as their colors? You, you talk about taking that which is holy and showing violent disrespect for it, for profaning it, deviling it, debasing it, dishonoring it, to take the rainbow and make it the colors of the LBGT movement. That is desecrating the things of God. The rainbow around the throne of God in heaven. They have profaned it. 
They have defiled it. They have debased it. You know, it was a sad day <laughs> that in the celebrating of the Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage, what happened? I want you to look on the screen. You know what the president did? Look at it. That's the White House. The president lit up the White House with the colors of the rainbow. You talk about desecrating that which is holy and righteous. The White House celebrating that now lesbians, homosexuals, transgenders, bisexuals, it's okay. It's okay. It's not a sin. It's okay. We're celebrating it. Y'all go get married. You know what makes me mad? No, I don't want to say that. You know what upsets me? The White House does not belong to the president. It belongs to us. And I wanted to say that I am offended that he would do such a thing in our face. Why don't he put up the flag when Americans come home from the war, many of them in caskets, and gave their life for their country? Why don't he do that? And I would remind the president that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And he needs to know that. And he, doesn't, he, he thinks, well, wasn't that just politically correct? Wasn't that smart? It was straight from hell and had the devil's name written all over it. But that wasn't enough. They, uh, you know, they finally finished the tower that took the place of the Twin Towers. They finally finished it, and there's a spire on the top of that tower. Now, look up there. Guess what the spire's colors are? The rainbow. So he not only lit up the White House with rainbow colors, well, the spire. That's the tallest building in the world. And look at that spire. It's lit up with the colors of the rainbow, and it's like we lift it up as high as we could and said, God, what do you think about that? Well, I know what God thinks about it. <laughs> and he says, again, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We have desecrated life. We have desecrated family and marriage as a nation. I know you don't want that. You mourn like I do. My heart's broken. Listen, I'm telling you, it's, there's no joy in my heart. But I'm just simply facing reality. It says again in the Word of God that our God is a consuming fire. And it's like they say, well, God isn't doing a thing. Are you listening to me? It ain't over yet. I don't know what God's next move is. But I'll tell you one thing. He's had enough. We've crossed the line. We are desecrating that which is holy and making it unholy. And so I would, I would ask you, um, 
You remember what happened to Belshazzar when he desecrated things from the house of God? His kingdom was taken away and he died that night. Well, I, I want to close by saying, what can we do? What can we do about this? I, I mean, I, I don't have an exaggerated opinion of myself. I'm just one preacher in a good church in a small city. But you know, um, everybody's got to speak the truth, don't they? But I tell you, I, I, I tell you this. God told Gideon he had too many because some of them weren't ready to go to battle. And he got it down to 300 said, now you go and you'll win the victory. So if you think, Brother Fred, there's nothing we can do, all we can stand by and see the judgment of God, and we will see it. You say, there's nothing we can do. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm just going to name them. I'm not going to spend time on them, and then we're going to pray. You know, we can courageously and boldly oppose the des desecration of life. Man, we can do everything we can to stop abortion. We can boldly and courageously oppose same-sex marriage. We can do everything we can to not let people promote it, cram it down people's throats. And we can boldly and courageously say, the rainbow does not belong to the LBGT. It belongs to God. So we've got to be courageous and bold. We can come before God in prayer and confess the sins of the nation and plead with God to restore the fear of God. I, 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 I'll get on my knees and cry out to God, God, we have greatly and grievously sinned against you. Every baby that died is cried. The blood of that baby has gone up before you. And God, we, we have we no way we can justify what's happened, but we, 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 we cry out, we repent, oh God, for this nation. And, and God, the way we've treated marriage now and, and made, we, made whole, we, we call good evil and evil good, Lord, we just, all we can do is come to you and say we've grievously desecrated that which was important to you and ask you to restore marriage to its rightful place and restore the family to its rightful place. And we can say, God, we've let people, let a, the, a group take the rainbow, which is around your throne in heaven, and des des desecrate it. But, oh, God, we're going to say it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. Lord, we can pray and we can repent and ask God. I mean, we can. We've got to, y'all. I mean, we got to pray and say, God, look, we it's messed up. Maybe we were silent when we shouldn't have been. Maybe we weren't praying when we should have been. Maybe we got caught up in the society of materialism and secularism and intellectualism. But, God, it doesn't matter. We just know it's wrong, and we repent, and we ask for mercy and grace and forgiveness, and we ask for the fear of God to be restored to this land. But I tell you what we got to do. We got to live righteous lives, godly lives, holy lives, lives that are different, lives that are not in the darkness, but lives that are light, lives that are not a part of the decay, but lives that are salt. Jesus said to you and me, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. So the light's got to shine and the salt's got to stop decay. But we have to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live righteous, godly, holy lives in the world, but not of the world. And people know by our lives that we have been with Jesus. 
We can't, see, we can't speak if we don't live it. And we can only live it by total surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray that when God's judgment comes, that people will repent and turn to Jesus as their only Lord and Savior and will be ready to minister to them, to embrace them, and help them come to Jesus. And we can pray that the church of Jesus Christ will be powerful, will be strong, and will turn many people to, to repent and turn many people to God. And we, we can pray that the, our nation will return to the God of our fathers, that a nation that looks to God and not to man, and that the, the slogan on our money, in God we trust, is not a blasphemous statement, but it is true, that in God we do really trust. So all i got to say is this. We, we're mourning. Christians are mourning in this country. Blessed are they that mourn. When the wicked rule, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people mourn. So we're mourning. But we're not going to do nothing. We're going to pray those things that I suggested. But most of all, we've got to live a life that people know that our God is real and that Jesus is alive and that he is Lord because he sees them in us. Amen? We can't live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, and pacify the world. We've got to speak the truth in love.